eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is midday Monday, February the 3rd, 2020. It is time for T-Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast. A lot to get to on today's edition of T-Watts and TR. I'm TR, Travis Schreier. He's T-Watts, Tim Watts, site publisher of Bama Online. Dot com. We're going to talk some Alabama football recruiting. We're going to give you some thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win over the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to get into that BOL roundtable mailbag as we move throughout the podcast as well. And with all of that in mind, here he is, Tim Watts, site publisher of BamaOnline.com. Uh, Tim, how was your weekend? It was good. The weather broke Sunday. You know, we had we had a good game. It's kind of bittersweet, though. You know, the weather's breaking a little bit, which is what we all wait for. But that usually means the end of football for the most part. And I guess the Super Bowl ended the season, you know, the football season officially. And then Wednesday is going to end the season recruiting-wise as far. I mean, there'll still be recruits and commits and all that. But this is, you know, it's it's the end of the – it's end of this cycle. So, yeah, it, it makes you think about what the unofficial start – to spring is from a sports perspective there's some options there maybe we'll get into some of that uh, a little bit later in the podcast among our topics once you get through football is it the start of spring training is it the start of the major league baseball season in late march is it from a golf perspective is it the masters is it the players championship uh, is it the NCAA tournament? I mean, there's a lot of different options you can go with there. But something we are putting a wrap on, at least Alabama is attempting to do that, Tim, as you so well know, is this 2020 recruiting cycle. Not only that, but a simultaneous sort of merging of a couple of classes over the last few days. You had the Junior Day event here in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. But looking specifically at this 2020 finish and understanding there are some commitments that are still expected to sign on Wednesday. There are some uncommitted prospects out there. McKinley Jackson, most notably the big defensive lineman from Loosedale, Mississippi. Some potential additions that perhaps Alabama hasn't totally uh, green lit at this point. Where do things sit? I mean, Tim, we're, we're, we're talking about some tight numbers here. So after the weekend, understanding some, some things that are in play here, how do you sort of survey all this for Alabama right now on this Monday? You know, I think for Alabama, it's pretty cut and dry. They're going to get, I believe, they're going to sign Javon Baker, the wide receiver from uh, Georgia, and Jamil Burroughs, the defensive lineman from Georgia. Both have been committed for a while. 
Um, they're going to sign them, let them keep working to get eligible. After that, I mean, you're looking at McKinley Jackson, who's a top 100 defensive lineman. He took an official visit to Texas A&M this week. Uh, you know, a lot of discussion. I think the Aggies are definitely in play um, right now, still in that filling out process, trying to gather information and see what we think coming down to the last 48 hours. I feel like LSU might have fell behind a little bit in that race. Pete Goldens did a great job. Freddie Roach has done a great job. It's been a long, uh, uh, long-time relationship there with, with a couple of those coaches for Alabama. So Alabama's definitely in the mix. Um, also, Enos Rakestraw, the the uh, defensive back from Texas, he took a visit to Texas. So I mean, it's really you know I you know I don't claim to know how Nick Saban thinks. Not, I dare anybody to to make that claim, but uh, I think he's still trying to figure out how this puzzle is going to finish for him. I mean, of course they got the they. I don't think we've talked since they got Carl Tucker, have we? The big tight end out of North Carolina who went healthy. The grad transfer is going to come into. Yeah, summer. you're right. We haven't. Yeah, yeah, that sort of slipped through. So, I mean, that's a big addition. I mean, especially when you look back, and I wasn't super familiar with him. I went to YouTube and pulled up some film and talked to some people and some coaches in the ACC. When that guy's healthy, he's a dangerous guy. So, I mean, the Alabama staff has managed this class really well. Um, still waiting to, you know, a little bit closer to, you know, to Wednesday to try to figure out, you know, predictions and what I think is going to happen. But, uh, the junior day was also fantastic. You know, Hank South did a great job covering those guys. All the feedback I've got has been uh, has been really good. Of course, they've uh, they had some of the top players, McKinstry, the kid they call Kool Aid, who's that wide receiver, defensive back, basketball player from Pinson Valley, got an offer to play basketball at Alabama. Legit athlete, legit player. He was on campus. Alabama had a good trip there. He's going to be one of the most sought after players. And two to keep an eye on are these Brockenmeyer brothers, uh, Tommy and James from Texas. Tommy set out last year. He was hurt, but uh, sophomore film, very elite type film. He's considered to be one of the best offensive linemen in the country. And his brother, now you know that you get that situation where you have the brothers. They're always comparing them, which isn't fair. But James is a heck of a football player in his own right, more of an interior offensive lineman. And uh, he picked up an Alabama offer this week. So I would say overall, Alabama did a really good job. And again, I want to, you know, caution Alabama fans that I think last year's 2020 approach will be what they do in 2021. They'll be patient. They'll leave out really well. They'll do a lot of research. They'll see kids in camp. I don't, wouldn't expect a, you know, an outpouring of commitments um, early on. But of course, I say that, and there's probably six breaking right now. But they, uh, you know, for the most part, I think the Alabama staff is going to be really thorough. Um, and, and when the, and their evaluations and offers sort of sticking with that junior day theme, Tim, what exactly does an offer at this point in the process mean? Because we did see some of that on social media, some of the, the 2021s that were in Tuscaloosa reporting offers from Alabama. Uh, I think we've touched on this in the past. Not all offers are created equal, although I'm guessing there is a very select few, even at this early of a stage, like a McKinstry of Pinson Valley who have drop dead offers. In other words, they could pop today and those would certainly be accepted by the Alabama staff, but there's varying degrees, right? In terms of, uh, you know, what an offer actually means at this point in the process. Yeah, I think it means different things for different kids. I mean, you got guys that, that are good enough, like you said, to commit on the spot. And Alabama's got some some pretty good 2021 kids already committed. They're really high on. So those guys obviously had offers. They got other guys they want to see in camp. 
and who are probably, you know, they're, they're probably on the fence of already good enough. They'd like to get one more good look at them, which, which is, you know, which makes sense. And then there's the guys that, you know, offer to get them to camp. I mean, there's so many different levels of offers now. And then, you know, it's not new. People have been doing this forever. I mean, it's like the walk-on. The walk-on turned into preferred walk-on when it's still, you know, pretty much same as a walk-on. You know, we, you know, it's actually, in my theory, the preferred walk-on is the biggest insult because it's like under no circumstances are we taking you. You got to walk-on. No, I'm just kidding. But they, uh, they, you know, they've changed the rules and the wordings to make it sound sexier every year. But I think for the most part, with most staffs, you got that elite group, you got that circle of uh, guys. Um, who are, who are in that elite group. And, you know, some of these guys they've already seen at camp. That's a big thing, too. They saw as juniors. They saw during their junior year. Some of these guys they like just based on the junior film, so they want to see what they're like live if they didn't have that chance. So There's contingencies. There, there's guys that – In some cases, yeah. I think you could force – you know, you got guys that could make them make a tough decision um, for the most part. But, I mean, you know – I'm not talking about Alabama. I'm talking about, you know, pretty sure. much every school. Sure. You know, every school out there has 100 offers out. Um, so, I mean, obviously they all can't commit. A lot of that's academic too, right? I mean, yeah, you're, you're talking got, about guys that are just halfway through the junior year. Right. And academics, you want to see how they finish. Stay out of trouble. You know, there's a lot of guys right. that even their commitments – and I mean, good players, even their commitments are contingent on getting good grades. And, you know, I don't know, making academic progress for sure is a term I hear a lot. Also, you know, staying out of trouble. You know, the coaches don't want to call. You no know, college coach wants to call a high school coach. And this guy's been in trouble, you know, three times during the summer. So I think it's just, you know, do the right things and, and show social media now a part of that. Right. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You know, Zach Evans has been the case and study at this point, the running back for North Shore for exactly. I mean, that guy's as talented as anybody in the country. He's one of the most talented running backs I've ever seen physically. Uh, absolutely great prospect. We are heading to Wednesday, and nobody has a clue where this guy's going. Nobody. Wow. Nobody knows that. Nobody's no. Nobody knows anything. So, obviously, like I said again, you know, with Zach, it's a maturity issue. Obviously, I mean, this isn't a kid that I've heard that's been doing anything illegal or anything wrong like that. It's just a maturity issue. Maybe a problem with the authority or. You know, some of that stuff. But, yeah, that's going to factor in. It's going to with Alabama, it's going to factor in heavily and heavily. And that's one of the reasons I don't think uh, Evans and Alabama really had much to, you know, really had uh, much communication the cycle. Yeah. So cleaning up 2020 and sort of setting that table as we head towards Wednesday and the second signing date, three of the four committed players in December before the early date are expected still to sign with Alabama. I guess Jason Jones being the exception of those four and perhaps Oregon uh, in play significantly for Jason Jones, the big lineman from Calera, it looks like. Yeah, I think so. Mario Cristobal was in town to see him on a Saturday. So obviously a big guy. Oregon needs some big defensive linemen. You know, the thing about Jason is he didn't have a very good – he has injured his junior year, didn't have a great senior year, but it wasn't awful. He's just a big guy and needs to be conditioned, you know, conditioned strength and, and, and get in shape and, you know, all that. He's a little bit – you know, I know college coaches liked him a lot on the offensive line, which he didn't like. So I'm curious to see what Mario, who's an offensive line guy, would do with it. I mean, he loves Alabama, obviously. So, But I think he probably ends up somewhere else on Wednesday. 
Yeah, if you're Oregon, you can sell them on a couple of those defensive linemen that played in the Super Bowl Sunday night. DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, a couple of towering defensive linemen for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but as far as, say, an Enos Rakestraw is concerned, Tim, as we close in on Wednesday, uh, is, is his potential presence in this class ultimately dependent upon some of these other guys or – how do you see that maybe shaping up with Rake Straw? You know, that's the thing. I don't. That's that's the num. The numbers are the one thing we've never known about Alabama. Um, I think the Alabama staff definitely is recruiting him. I think right now a guy like Alfred Collins seems to be a long shot. So I believe they could get him in this class if they wanted to. But also there's other factors like the 85 comes into play and guys that maybe were on a walk on that were going to earn a scholarship. There's so many things into play that we don't know. Um, the Rakeshaw kid's a good football player. He's a really good football player. When I saw the one thing about him, though, he's very lean. I mean, he's like a buck sixty-five player, cover guy, quick twitch, all that stuff. You want good length and all that, but he is a couple years away, probably from uh, playing. There you go, kind of like a Dion Ballou from back in the day before Dion took right. the JUCO oh, route and showed up at Alabama, did some nice things for a couple of seasons. Speaking of guys. Who did some nice things at Alabama? How about Reggie Ragland picking up that world championship as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night? We saw Reggie out there a good bit down there at Hard Rock Stadium, especially against a San Francisco offense that's not shy to go with two backs or two tight ends. And that's right up Reggie's alley. And you've got three members of that Kansas City organization, Reggie Ragland. Gary Dieter, practice squad member. Ramsey Robinson, Tim, former Alabama corner and NFL player, now in the front office there for the Kansas City Chiefs. So some rings for three former Alabama Crimson Tide performers. Um, I, I, you know, I think you picked you picked Kansas City to win the game. I didn't learn my lesson from the AFC Championship game. I went with the San Francisco 49ers, and ultimately, again, it comes down to largely the quarterback position. And even though Patrick Mahomes for three, three and a half quarters Sunday night didn't look particularly comfortable, that San Francisco four-man pass rush can do that to a lot of quarterbacks. When it mattered the most, with about seven or eight minutes to go, Mahomes and that offense deliver. Credit the Kansas City defense, too, for getting some stops and getting the ball back to Mahomes. But uh, it's a quarterback's world, man in this game we know and love and Patrick Mahomes doing it as well as anybody in the world right now. Yeah. I thought it was a good game. I mean, two really well. I mean, those guys played hard. Uh, of course it's a super bowl, but they were, they were coached. Well, I thought both coaches did a great job. And, um, you know, the thing that the, that stood out to me was I didn't really see the the challenges down the field. I expected to from the chiefs. They kept trying to go, sideways and the defensive coordinator over there had did a great job because he took all that stuff away from Tyreek and McCole Hardman. Um, if you remember Tyreek visited Alabama, I think he verbally committed to Alabama silently on his visit. Remember coming from Juco ended up Oklahoma state. I think they, Billy Napier, who's at uh, university of Louisiana now recruited him. So, but Tyreek McCole, McCole Hardman, um, they had that little, that little, those little short passes bottled up. But when they finally went vertical, I thought it's where they had their success. The 49ers pass rush was really good. I think they got too much in their head. Um, 
it was a really good game considering it was nothing like the game I expected it to be. I really expected a shootout. Um, you know, I really expected, you know, more points. And of course I ended up with 51 points, but I really thought we'd see more, uh, more early on. Yeah, it was, it was a passing game for both teams. It was pretty much boxed in. Um, but the third and 15, obviously in the fourth quarter, which it, it almost had the feel of kind of a, just a desperation heave at that point, because, Mahomes was getting so much pressure from Bosa in that front for San Francisco that it, it, it seemed almost predetermined that he was going to just let this thing fly. Looked like San Francisco busted a coverage there in zone, which got Hill. Hill, by the way, finished up his college football right down the road at West Alabama. Crazy to think about now when you look at Tariq Hill and what he's doing in the NFL. Uh, but hit the big play for 44 yards. That was really just sort of the igniter for Kansas City, and uh, the Chiefs sort of rolled from there. But um, you know, we talk about Reggie Ragland, and I know you've you've been involved with this guy from his recruitment coming out of Bob Jones High School through his time at Alabama, now in the National Football League. Um, one of those guys that you talk about as a high school performer, right? Uh, could do it all, similar to, I guess, Rolando McClain in some ways coming out of North Alabama and was pretty well known to be a, a decent basketball player as well, right? Yeah, you know, that's all. <clears throat> he was one of those guys that we used to say, <clears throat> excuse me, he's one of those guys I used to say, man, I, w- I wonder what he'd be like playing football. And he loved basketball. And uh, that's all he talked about. You know, I tweeted last night when I met him. You know, he said his, you know, I was asking him his dreams, aspirations and everything. He's going out for a year. He says dreams win the NBA championship and, you know, you know, playing the NBA and all that kind of stuff. No mention of football. I think it quickly became apparent that undersized, you know, too thick to be an NBA type basketball player with his build. But definitely, you know, a great kid, a great football player, did a great job at Alabama. Uh, it was good to see him out there. And he's one of those good guys. And I believe he's won a championship in high school. Uh, college and the NFL was yeah. pretty good trifecta. I mean, just a you know winner type kid, good attitude, workhorse. Um, you know, overall just a great job. I I thought that now remember he was drafted by the Bills and they traded to get him. And right. the one thing I'd like to say about you know the Chiefs, you know, you look at the Chiefs who had just paid uh, Alex a lot of money. What was his name? Alex um, the Smith. And they traded up to get Pat Pat Mahomes and you know to get this guy. Commit to this guy, get rid of, you know, Alex, who was still, you know, thought to be pretty much in the prime of his career. They committed to win and roll the dice. I believe they gave up two first round picks and a third round pick to move up to, to draft, draft Mahomes ahead of Deshaun Watson. So Andy Reid, you know, I think he deserved it. I think it was a good game. Yeah. I thought it was a good, 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 good and well played all around. And Alex Smith's presence there allowed the Chiefs to bring Patrick Mahomes along at a reasonable rate and then to be able to surround him so early in his career with those type of playmakers, man, uh, it really was a perfect storm for, for the chiefs. I don't know why more NFL teams don't do that. Why didn't the chargers take a quarterback? They felt comfortable when, even if it's the first round pick, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can get a quarterback, even if you're taking, you've got it. So you've got a quarterback and you're taking another quarterback 
to, to learn under Philip Rivers or, you know, they, they had opportunities in New England. Look at the quarterbacks that's been behind of them. One, one was uh, in the Super Bowl last night and they keep trade you know, they've traded those guys and got assets for it. I don't understand why I like the Saints and those guys. Now they got Jacoby Brisk, but I'm talking about getting a rookie, signing that guy and letting him come along slowly. Because like you said, he benefited greatly from not being thrown into it. You know, like golf, for instance, golf is thrown into it, labeled a bust, complete bust in one year, comes back the next year. Great year, great system and is labeled the next, you know, you know, Joe Montana, given a huge contract. And then now he's a bust again. <laughs> you know, I mean, the guys rode a roller coaster. You know what I mean? The guys, the guy, the guys been on skates the whole time. So I think bringing these guys along at a leisurely pace, a comfort, everybody's not ready to start. Just because you're a first round pick as a rookie. And that's the concern with a guy like Tua, right? I mean, you want Tua to go as, you want these guys to go as high as they possibly can so they can cash in uh, that way on that rookie deal. But big picture wise, what does it mean if Tua goes to Miami right now? Yeah, I I think he could sit behind uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year and, and benefit from that. If you're able to do that, but where's the rest of the team? And I, and I guess the dolphins though have accumulated a pretty good bit of picks, right? I mean, traded Minka to, to the, the, the Steelers. So they, they're going to have a bit of a, a war chest to sort of work with from that regard, but you just okay. worry about that from a, a young co- quarterback perspective. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they got some picks, you know, with the Minka pick, they took him at 11th, 10th or 11th or whatever it was, but they didn't get that value back. I think they're 18th or maybe even lower yeah. because of Steelers. And he's a really, really good player. But I like that what the Dolphins are doing. That coach is is a pretty serious guy. I don't know how he was even competitive, but he was beating teams. So I think they've yeah. got a, a good thing going on. But I agree. I wouldn't want to necessarily draft Tua if I'm the Dolphins and stick him out there. Now, they have Josh Rosen, right? Uh, he's still there. Yeah, right? I think he's still right there. With, yeah, but the they pretty much Carson. committed. I think they've committed to Fitzpatrick for at least another year. So they got they're a thinking. situation where Tua doesn't necessarily have to come out and take it. Now, I will say Tua is such a talent, just, yeah. just like at Alabama. When you see him in practice, he's going to stick out like a sore thumb, you know. So he's going to elevate guys, and that and that's yeah. Look, it's too, Patrick Mahomes could have done that regardless of where he went. He's that type of talent. But then I look at a guy like Joe Burrow, who was historic in his performance in, in 2019. Is Joe Burrow a guy that really is going to take the Bengals and elevate those guys around him? Is he? Do you think he, Joe Burrow's that kind of guy? I don't, you know, I'm not sure who's that kind of guy for the Bengals, you know, but no, I I mean, Burrow, I think it's a really tough situation. It's not a great running back room. It's not a great wide receiver, you know, talent over there. And And you're going number one overall. That's going to be the expectation. Yeah, they're slinging them right out there. That's a, you know, that's, it's almost going to be a curse in my opinion to go that, that, that to that team right now, um, unless they make some major trades, but I will say this about Burrow. Obviously he's really mature. Going on 24 years old, um, he's going to be able, you know, he's going to be a little bit more advanced, a little bit more mature. He's been through a lot of stuff. He's been through, you know, a quarterback battle, a transfer, the LSU and all that stuff. So, but yeah, I think he's going to have a, a, a little bit of a rub. It wouldn't be the situation. But then again, if you're drafted number one, you're usually pretty bad shape. So, you know what last night showed too? The, the Super Bowl on Sunday night showed? 
it showed you that a lot of the stuff that you see on Saturday, Tim, and, and we already knew this, but it, it reinforced it. A lot of the stuff that you see quarterbacks kind of do and get away with in college, you don't get away with that crap in the NFL. I mean, uh, in, in terms of trying to scramble and run and move around, these cats close on you quickly. And guess what? There's usually a couple of them that are there. Look at Mahomes and the hit he took in the first quarter last night uh, down on the goal line. I mean, it gets real, real fast. Uh, speed of the game, those type of things. So, you know, you kind of got to factor all that into it as well. Yeah, those guys are so fast, especially in the secondary where – there's freaks everywhere in the NFL. They're so fast. They're so quick. They're so strong, big. So, you know, a lot of times when that thing looks open, they're baiting you into it. I mean, you saw last night you had linebackers dropping back, like 54 for the uh, 49ers dropping back and, you know, getting in lanes and picking off passes and disrupting yeah. passes. And, you know, several passes were batted down. He, you know, 54 picked off one. And they also had a couple that Mahomes had to do that Kent Kovey sidearm pitch to yeah. get past him. So, I mean, he was crafty in it. I thought Mahomes was not very good for the most part early on. No. Um, he threw a bunch of balls short, like scared. I think not only was he, was he getting le- – I think yeah. he was getting legitimate pressure, but I also think there was pressure in his head, and I don't blame him because those guys were coming. Joey Bosa, Buckner, who I thought could have been, if the 49ers won, been the MVP, he was a wrecking ball as far as getting, you know, pushing people, collapsing the pocket, forcing Mahomes out of the pocket. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought overall Mahomes did a good job, his body of work, and the way he closed out the game is how you want a quarterback to. But, you know, first big stage moment maybe and a little bit worried. That pass rush, though, man, it would scare a lot yeah. of people. It scared a lot of grown men. He had some pre-snap pressure. In the second half, you could tell he was sensing it even before the snap that he knew he knew his left tackle wasn't much of a uh, resistance provider to to Bosa. And uh, as you said, understandably so, because it it was grown men football. I mean, when you get to that stage, you start seeing some people sell out in ways that you don't see maybe in early September when you've got a world championship on the line. So what about some of the. uh, complimentary aspects of a Super Bowl that we get each and every year. It, it seems like we can't get through a Super Bowl without the halftime show not being the most controversial aspect of the entire broadcast, game included. You know, there were some questionable calls. You had the offensive P.I. on George Kittle there late in the first half on an absolute dime from Joey G that likely negated points for the Niners going into halftime. But all anybody wants to talk about, it seems like, on, on social media is is the, the halftime show. Where did, where did that kind of stack up in, in, in your perspective, Tim? You know, for me, I just want to be entertained, and I, I just want them to hurry up and entertain me. I don't want them to be out there 35 minutes in the halftime, run that late. Last night, maybe – the pace of the game made halftime less tense for me because usually that thing's going off at 10.50 at night, it seems like. You know, the game's going to go till midnight. That game had such a smooth flow to it. Those, I don't really know that music that well. I mean, I know who the, the artists are. I thought they did a good job. I mean, to me, I look at that and realize how difficult that is. I'm talking planning the dance and the the, the, the doing it and doing it live and all that stuff. I saw a lot of, to me, I, it wasn't the best. I was entertained. And that's really what I want to see when I go to a show or see a show. I was entertained. 
I thought both girls did a good job, and you know, you know, for what they wanted. I, I, Shakira, I didn't see the, Shakira. Yes, I mean, I didn't see, I, I didn't see, a, I didn't see a lot wrong with. Them. I mean, it's not my kind. Of, that's not Jimmy the brought it back I mean, from the block. Yeah, that's not on my Spotify playlist or anything. But, um, I mean, but then again, that means nothing, you know. I mean, I thought they did a good job of entertaining us. It was lively. It was energetic. Uh, I thought, it, I thought it was fine personally. Yeah, it was, it was good. It wasn't Prince. In that same building, about what twelve, thirteen years earlier, it's still when you want to talk about halftime shows, and, and I know everybody's got an opinion on it, but for me, it's still Prince in the rain, uh, literally Purple Rain. It seemed I like mean, back in Miami, back in the day, it had to be Prince all timer. Right. To me, you can have. I'm, I'm all about everybody having an opinion, but I'm not even debating this one. I mean, that, that guy killed it. I don't care. You know, I don't care if you like. For again. You don't have to like Prince's music to enjoy what he did. And you know what I, I thought was low-key pretty good a couple of years back? I thought Bruno Mars did a good job with it. I mean, he was kind of part of a, a crew, I guess, but I, I thought Bruno Mars was really good. I mean, I agree. I agree. I always thought the one with Aerosmith and NSYNC was really good. It was a good It was a good mixture because you had the old school people. You had Nelly coming out there, NSYNC, Timberlake before he cut off his – for he for he sheared his natural curls. You know, you had Britney Spears. You had all of them out there. I like when they do a mixture. And the one I really like, I think, and not a fan of any of their music, but I like the one with Katy Perry, um, mm-hmm. Missy Elliott's, and the Kravitz guy. I mean, I don't listen to their music, but I thought yeah. they. I was entertained. You know, there was there was good music. You know, there was guitars. There was uh, bright colors. You know, I thought it. Yeah, I thought Lenny Kravitz, kind of the. Uh, the Elvis impersonators uh, of Prince, you know, but Lenny, yeah. Lenny's good stuff. You know, for me, it's just that I saw, I liked a good heated debate last night on the round table. I mean, the yeah. minute that show stopped, it might not even have shot, stopped. <laughs> we had views for me. It's not about my favorite, you know, my favorite musician and almost any musician I've, I've found as I get older, any musician, any, any, any type of music, if the artist is good or the performance is good, I can listen to anything. It doesn't yeah. matter. Country, rap, heavy metal. I can listen to anything for 15 minutes as long as I'm entertained. That doesn't mean I'm going to go work out to it, though, you know? I still say you got to have something to do with my girl, Gloria Estefan, Sunday night. I mean, if you're going to go the Latin approach in Miami – my girl Gloria and the Miami Sound Machine somehow, some way, they've got to be acknowledged during that performance Sunday night, and that did not happen. I've I mean, got to been on that soapbox. That's a great point. I mean, they have, you know, it's like the year was it the the one in Detroit where the Rolling Stones played, and they didn't uh-huh. have anybody from Motown. Yeah, I'm sure. That was like, let me, yeah, let me look. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Rolling Stones in the mid 2000s. And I love like, the Stones, right. but I'm with you. I love the Stones, but you're in Motown. You know what I mean? That, that's <laughs> like you're in. I agree, I agree with you with Gloria. She had a she had a lot of a uh, lot you of. Got to kind of have a Motown Ted Nugent Bob Seger medley if you're in Detroit. You know that kind of the way it it has to go. I mean, no, the Motor I City Madman Seger is the Skinnerd of uh detroit and of course motown i mean that goes without saying that's that's iconic when you talk motown Smokey robinson something you know but no, what I, about I, a what about a game day spread what did you do did you do anything big did you just I go traditional it. chicken wings what, what dips what, what are we talking about i ate it 
That's, that was my <laughs> contribution. Heather, um, she went and did a good job. She does that. I forget what they call it, but it's those plates. You know, we went to Italy last year for our 20th, and uh, she found those. Uh, they put them on wooden plates, and it's a selection of meats and cheeses and olives. They got a word for it. I'm, I'm not even going to try to say. I'll sound like Brad Pitt in Glorious ba- Bastards. Have you seen that movie? Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I'll sound like Brad Pitt. This is why I'm not Brad learning. That's awesome. Or, well, I don't, I'm not learning foreign languages because you remember that scene where he said, Arriva Dirty. <laughs> Everybody else said it perfect. He said, Arriva Dirty. I don't try to say foreign words for that reason. That's what I sound like. Hey, he tried to, He not only tried to say it, he tried to say it in a bad southern accent while he was saying it. You know, The double whammy. It was awesome. I love that scene. Um, yeah, she laid that spread out, that Italian spread. So we skipped. She did all the, she did all the dips and, and all that nice. stuff. We had Chips and nachos. We had wings earlier in the week, so we just skipped them. Yeah, what did you we winged do? it up. We, we winged, you know. We just kept it real simple. We did a wing. We did a crock pot cheese dip, you know, to go with the uh, Tostito-type chips. And uh, it was pretty pretty simple, man. We didn't get too wild, just kind of uh, kept it low-key. And, you know, when you look at when you look at these games and you look at venues for Super Bowls and how it moves around – Tim, I was thinking last night, if you had to pick one venue, one maybe city, one area where the Super Bowl could be played on an annual basis, just one place to play the Super Bowl, where would that place be? What would be the right place if you were just going to pick a permanent home for the uh, for the SB? You know, I'm probably always going to go with New Orleans. I just think there's so much to do there. So, you know, you can make it a week-long event. You have a dome. You have people used to coming out. People want to party. People put people in a good mood. I can see the draw for South Florida and Arizona as well. But, I mean, to me, New Orleans is just an easy venue. You know, and I'm from the South, bear in mind, so it might not be as easy from somebody other parts of the country. You know, we're here. You know, we're right here. We're four and a half hours away if we want to drive. But to me, New Orleans has just got that feel. And I've been there for bowl games when Bama played, and I've been there for bowl games around New Year's when Alabama wasn't playing. And those people love it. I mean, I'm, I know yeah. it's that way everywhere, but it's just a good time. Uh, Miami certainly looked like a great time last night. A lot of the stuff I saw before, leading up to the Super Bowl looked like it was a great time. They had great weather, so I certainly could see an argument for that. I've turned on it. I used to think that every college football uh, national championship game and every Super Bowl should be contested at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. And just in terms of a setting for a game and, and, and I, iconic sort of status, as a venue, yeah, I would say the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. But when you incorporate everything that goes into the event, the week, and all those things, I can't argue against New Orleans, man. And we can kind of thank Nick Saban for exposing us to all these places because with Alabama in the college football playoff and competing for national championships really for a decade-plus straight, I've had the opportunity to go to all these areas. In Miami – it looks cool when you're watching the coverage during the week because all the media is pretty much set up in South Beach. But Miami Gardens, which is where Hard Rock Stadium actually is, is a good bit away from all that. And so oh, okay. what you're saying about New Orleans is what resonates with me in that everything 
in a game played in New Orleans like a Super Bowl or a ch- national championship game, man, it's all right there. And New Orleans is absolutely set up for that stuff, man, with the convention industry and all that. You know, they, they can handle the they can handle New Orleans can handle the the quantity too. And it's so good. And you can walk everywhere. That's the exactly beauty. you can walk to that. we've never can't you do know, that in L.A. or Miami. No, you know? we've been to plenty of Saints games and Pelicans game, and we've walked to every one. We've never – it's never been an issue, you know, for us. Plus, like I said, you got the dome, you got the weather. I was there. The telltale for me, it's the perfect spot, is uh, we were there when Utah beat Alabama, and I saw Alabama fans not ready to die, kill herself walking out of that Superdome. They just went straight to Bourbon and had a good time. So I think that when you go – when you go there, there's a little bit of, you know, man, eh, you know, don't worry about it. We're in New Orleans vibe, too. So I know that city is really good for the fans. I'll tell you an area, a place that I thought did a heck of a job with a college football playoff game uh, when we were there in 2015 ish was Dallas. Uh, the, the, the organizers of the Cotton Bowl and sort of how they handled all that, it was tremendous. And, and it was mostly obviously set up there in downtown Dallas. The game played at uh, Jerry World there in Arlington, so it's not exactly sort of all-encompassing like New Orleans, but just in terms of how the event was put on and run, uh, I had a lot of love for the Dallas area. But, I, again, I, I, I used to think Pasadena, Rose Bowl, all that stuff, but when you're trying to tie it all in together, it's just it really is. It's almost impossible uh, to go against New Orleans. Hey, let's uh, get into some hoops talk before we head to the mailbag. We're going to get to that BOL roundtable mailbag in just a little bit. Uh, we talked about Kool-Aid McKinstry, the 2021 football slash basketball recruit. Tim, it's getting to the point. You know, you, you, you mentioned that he picked up, I guess, a basketball offer from Nate Oates. Over the weekend, I, I'm not sure if if Kool Aid maybe didn't realize it or not, but Nate may have been talking about Kool Aid joining the team right now, reclassifying and and joining this Alabama basketball game basketball team today because man, Herbert Jones now out for an extended stretch. Tim, the hits just keep coming for a team that going back to the preseason uh, was dealt a lot of bad news. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. They began to start looking a little bit tired. I mean, they're playing major minutes. Minutes. They're playing really hard. There's a lot of effort out there. We've seen, you know, Kyra's turnovers just go up. I think he's pressing a lot. And, you know, it, it's just hard. I mean, seven guys. I mean, we're in the Hoosiers range. You know, we're going to have the preacher son out here. You know, the preacher Ollie. son. Ollie's yeah. going to be out there shooting free. Ollie's going to have to, yeah, he's going to have to put his, take off his dress shoes here at some point. But, I mean, seven guys, I mean, it's just hard. I don't know how to explain the injury luck that Alabama's had, uh, bad luck with football, and now it's extending over to basketball. I mean, I'm not sure what a lot they could do. Herb's such a big, you know, understated how how big he is, you know, from so many aspects, rebounding, defense, and scoring, leadership. So, I mean, it's a tough little stretch here, and they were looking good. Still feel like they've got a chance to to make the NCAA tournament, but they're really going to need some healthy bodies out there. It's tough. You it it is, it. and we're at that part of the season where these guys are competing for the first time, but like they've never really competed for an NCAA berth. So it's going to be a tough road. I still think this this team's done well if they return intact, have the one signing. I think there's big things for this team down the road next year when they get healthy. I, I believe in this coaching staff. Yeah, Kyra Lewis 
you know he's going to play pretty much 40 minutes per night, but it is tough when you're largely playing on the basketball, right, Tim? You're not just playing 40, not 40 minutes. There's 40 minutes for everybody else, and there's 40 minutes for a point guard. You know, when you're handling the basketball and you're trying to run the show and the physical and mental demands that come with that, and they're in that spot right now where they're going to have, Tim, at least three guys night in and night out with Herb out that are going to play 35-plus minutes per game. They're just going to have to. They don't, they don't have the people right now to to keep from having to do that no i agree i mean it's a tough situation there's not a really i mean there's no answer for it i mean if you had a seven you know if you had seven mcdonald's all americans out there you know you know they would still be a really tough road so seven i mean it's, it's a lot like you said it's a long game Kyra's carrying much of the blood not to mention his defense coming back up the floor it's just a lot on him i think that's the reason yeah. we've seen so many turnovers petty sort of declined a little bit from his really high level of play, which is sort of natural. He couldn't have stayed at that level all year anyways, in my opinion. He was really playing out of his mind for a while. So just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to watch. I mean, you felt that. You kept – you watched that. You just saw what was coming in that Arkansas game. You're you're, easy to – yeah, it's just that the lack of depth is really going to hurt him. And you, you, you talked about still having a firm belief in where this program is headed under Nate Oates, and I agree. Because you see a freshman like Shackelford step up Saturday against Arkansas to the tune, 28 points, seven boards, three assists, just one turnover in 39 minutes of play. So things are certainly still headed in the right direction. And it's a week setting up here. Tennessee coming in here struggling on Tuesday night, go on the road to Georgia on Saturday. There's still winnable games out here for this team uh, and still an opportunity to at least maintain contact with that NCAA tournament bubble. And with that, Tim, you ready to, uh, you ready to jump into this mailbag on the, uh, BOL round table. See what we got for us. Absolutely. This is your favorite time of every pod. I think, I think you enjoy this. Uh, I do. I hope the guys always ask us a ton of questions. Yeah, we get some good stuff. No doubt about it. We certainly appreciate. They've gotten a lot better. (laughs) <laughs> from what kind of underwear do we wear to legitimate questions so they are right. proud of those guys bump them up a star they were yeah. you know threes now they're going to fours and who knows we're gonna start maybe, we're gonna start rating the listeners maybe they'll have a uh <laughs> maybe they'll have a bryce young like stretch coming up here and, and go all the way up to that uh five star status you've got bama nyc 17 would somebody say where McKinley Jackson is going and what do you think Alabama will finish with? Uh, Bama NYC 17 says, look, it's two days before signing day for crying out loud. We should have, Tim, a really good understanding of how this is all going to play out, Tim. I mean, come yeah, on. Bull crap. That's for <laughs> He knows better than that. Shit. The coaches don't know. I mean, these guys, everybody with this this envision that Saban knows exactly who he's getting 364 days in advance, that's ridiculous. Um, I think McKinley still got to inform the staffs. He just came off a Texas A&M visit. You know, you usually like to give a kid 24 hours to come off that high. Uh, Rake Straw, for instance, he's having to choose immediate play in time possibly or coming in here and battle. Like I've said many times, Alabama's not for everybody. And you can say that about a lot of top-level schools, Clemson, LSU, you know, 
uh, Georgia, those guys that recruit so high. It's not for everybody because there's a lot more competition when these guys recruit top five classes. I don't have a prediction right now, and I'm I'm not one for just throwing you know throwing something right. on the wall and see if it sticks. So we might know something more in the next 24, 36 hours. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, we, you got- and you know what? We might not know. Yeah, sometimes sure. these kids aren't telling them till after the fact. So. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And Jared also wants to know the chances of Alabama landing Alfred Collins, the defensive end out of Texas. You know, I think right now he's probably going to end up in Texas. You know, a lot of times when you get a kid in a 50-50 battle, and I think Alabama did a great job. It would surprise me if he chose Alabama right now, but Freddie Roach, Jeff Banks, were both had impacts there, especially Jeff Banks, who worked him the whole time. But he's 30 minutes from campus in Texas. Uh, I think at the end of the day, that's going to win out. Just that short ride from home and, you know, a chance to get in there and compete right away. Jared also asking about when is A-Day and will the renovations to Bryant-Denny Stadium be complete? Will they be complete by A-Day? No, Jared, those uh, renovations will not be complete by A-Day. So, uh, there is still no official word from Alabama on an A-Day date. I think Auburn's A-Day is April the 11th, so the 11th or the 18th of April would seem most sensible. Um, I think there's still some issues in play in terms of logistically and trying to work around that renovation to Bryant-Denny right now and uh, you know, a possibility that it could be played elsewhere. But again, we have not heard anything officially as of yet, from the university in regards to a date and firm location uh, for 2020 A-Day at the University of Alabama. Boo A.U. asks, or says, a lot has been made of Andy Reid finally winning a Super Bowl. Who do you guys think could be the next football coach, professional or college, who has been in the head coaching ranks for 10 years or more, and finally wins their first national and or Super Bowl title. Longtime coach, Tim, that hasn't won a title as of yet that you think could be sort of that next guy. It's kind of hard because these guys come and go these days, you know? I was about to say, you're, if you haven't won a Super Bowl, you're usually not a long-time <laughs> coach anymore. Um, trying to think. Tomlin's won one. Peyton's won one. College ranks, I mean, everybody's pretty much saying it's going to be O, Kirby, Saban, Dabo, Ryan Day. I can't think of one off the top of my head, can you? Oh, wow. And when you're talking about 10-plus years in today's football culture, it is. It's it's sort of difficult to dig one out. What about a guy like, you know, I would think a guy like maybe Ron Rivera would qualify for that, except he's now the head coach of the Washington Redskins, so that might automatically disqualify him, Tim. Yeah, he's going to have a tough road with, with, with the Snyder guy over there doing the things he does. So he's a really good coach. I thought that was a great hire for the Redskins, uh, for what it's worth. I thought he's he's I thought he did a really good job with that 
Carolina situation. I felt like he had him really close to winning, and you know, obviously got to the Super Bowl. But I, I fully expected they would have been back at some point. Obviously, Cam Newton sort of declined with the injury, so that that obviously hurt him. What about a guy like John Harbaugh up at Michigan? You think Harbaugh ever gets over the hump? I mean, for a guy that we talk about as much as we do and who has a paycheck as hefty as he has, uh, lost that brother versus brother Super Bowl. Um, actually, it's Jim Harbaugh that I'm referring to at Michigan. John, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Jim lost that brother versus brother matchup there in the Super Bowl in New Orleans. No. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a tough road for him. Obviously, he's he's faced with a monster in his own conference, Ohio State. I don't see them going anywhere. That, that day guy, really good job, a lot of talent. They recruit well, so they're always going to be a force. I just haven't seen them get over the hump. I just haven't seen Michigan. You know, you're right. He's a big name, and he's a big, uh, you know, it's a big paycheck, and they pay well. It's a big, big program, so I'm not sure. I mean, they. He's getting to that point now where three or four losses is going to become an issue. But then again, I don't know how you can do better than Jim Harbaugh. Plus, I mean, the you know the college, the college landscape is 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 really trying to whittle itself down. You know, I mean, when you look at Oklahoma and you look at Georgia, Alabama, <clears throat> LSU obviously is going to you know factor in there somewhat, and then you have Ohio State, Clemson is going to factor in there heavily. You're sort of seeing that that list begin to whittle down. I don't I don't see Michigan in it right now. Maybe a guy like Bruce Arians okay. eventually gets it done. There we go. I don't think that Tampa. That's a guy. That's a guy. Uh, good defense. Obviously not scared to rock the boat. You heard his Jameis Winston comments. We won with this guy. We won with anybody. <laughs> but this is a guy that's not scared, and he's uh, he's he's going to be demanding. And Tampa Bay's got some talent. They've drafted okay. Jameis has been very sporadic, but I think yeah, he'd be a good one. That's not a bad call at all. Kirby hasn't been at Georgia for 10 years. It just feels like that probably to some Georgia fans in terms of trying to win that next national championship. It it hasn't happened since 1980 for that fan base. So coaches aside, just for a fan base long suffering like the Chiefs fans were prior to Sunday night, 50 years between Super Bowl wins. Uh, you got to thank Georgia at some point here in the next five years or so. Uh, gets that gets off that snide. Do you think? Do you think Georgia does that here in the next few years? Again, they could. They're definitely in that short that that smaller pool I was talking about. That circle with the talent they've got, uh, the coaching staff they've got. They're going to be really good defensively. It's going to be very similar to Saban at LSU and Saban when he first got to Alabama. So definitely, for sure, going to have chances to do it again. It's hard to predict anybody outside of, you know, Clemson's going to be pretty much in those playoffs every year. You know who fits in all this too, Tim, is Dan Mullen at Florida. Yeah, that that East has gotten a lot interesting, a lot more interesting than it was before Mullen, before Pruitt. Pruitt's staff does a great job coaching, in my opinion. They're not at the talent level of a Florida. You know, Dan Mullen walked in. Florida's always going to have talent. Me and you can coach them and get some kids over there and stick them in the first round. But they, uh, Dan Mullen is going to coach them up. They're going to have good talent. They've got a probably first round guy with the CJ Henderson kid this year. So advantage being in Florida and not really a great situation in the state of Florida. I mean, you look at the three Florida schools. Which one's the sexiest, and is it even close? Yeah, I, I think Mullen for me in, in, in running down those names and, and what Boo AU was sort of getting at. 
I think Mullen may fit that the best because he has been doing this a long time. Um, he is in a place, most importantly now, where he should be able to be in that mix on a consistent basis. So uh, I'll go Dan Mullen as that guy that could perhaps get over the hump. Weed line on the roundtable message board, Tim. Biggest fish ever caught. How many piers have y'all fallen off? Weed line, he's always got something fun for us, doesn't he? Yes. Now, I have to tell you this. I've not fallen off as many as weed line. After <laughs> one of the most gruesome injuries I thought he, you know, he's sort of an exaggerator and a showman. So uh-huh. he's, that's how bad his leg hurt. I'm just steady making fun of him. And he posted a picture. I thought they grabbed the amputated. Looked like an Italian sausage. It was pretty uh, nice. Uh, I'm not a fisher. I have no. I'm not a no fisherman. fisherman. I have. Yeah. I have no patience. I'd be the guy with the dynamite going. All right, mm-hmm. drop it. Pick him up. Let's go. You know, and that's my kind of fishing. When I see him like throw dynamite in a pond. That would be me. I don't, I don't, maybe now I'm a little bit more subdued, but I've never been a big fisherman and I can't hunt for the same reason. I can't sit in one spot. I'd be like, at some point I'd be like, Travis, run over there real fast, bob and weave. He shots at you. Got Travis on the hood. I've been a fisherman pretty much my whole life. I haven't done as much as I would like here in recent years. I'm not an offshore fisherman guy. I don't, I don't want to have to wear a patch or take any medication to get on a boat to go 30 miles offshore. So that doesn't interest me. But I like the inland saltwater fishing. I like the intercoastal type stuff. I like the stuff down in Louisiana. Red fishing, basically, is what I like. I like the redfish. I like the trout. I like the puppy drum. Uh, so for me, it's probably a redfish I caught nearly 20 years ago, uh, probably in that 10-pound range, fell in the slot. So it was a keeper, but uh, that's probably where it would, would stack up for me from the fishing perspective. Uh, two double dizz, T-O double dizz, I guess is is the pronoun, is the correct uh, descriptive here. He wants to know how many spots left in this 2020 class, Tim. Not many. Uh, assuming George is in the class, not sure about the two others with academics to clean up. Uh, but numbers, what are we really looking at? In your opinion, and as you've said, really, that's a number that Nick Saban can only totally vouch for. Um, a guesstimate, I guess, of what we're looking at to finish up this 2020 class. I think this is one of those situations, and we had it a few years ago. There could be This could be the class. You're looking at, I think, 25 signees if it finishes out this way, plus Carl Tucker's 26. I know how disappointed Alabama fans would be, but again, you know, it's all about timing. If Bryce Young was committing, you know, Wednesday or, or, or Des Moines Kennedy, it would feel a lot different. Alabama just handled a lot of their business in advance. And I still think they could add one, maybe two more guys. Obviously, they would take McKinley Jackson and um, and uh, Enos Rake Straws out there. Alfred Collins is still a take. So there's still some things they could have working in their favor. Uh, but this could be the class, and Alabama fans should be happy. I don't think anybody's really at Alabama – trying to win a recruiter battle by taking somebody they don't really want or feel that can play for them. So I think you could be prepared. There might be some surprises on Wednesday as far as guys, they do add a guy, but I don't right now, you know, this could be the class. RTR five star wants to talk punter. Uh, Alabama, it appears has taken a preferred walk on punter here in the last few days. 
Uh, and what could that mean for Ty Pirine, another walk-on who stepped into that job uh, uh, during the 2019 season? Uh, Tim, I, I think it's just all about trying to add quality competition at, at an area of need, whether that's through the uh, the, the, the walk-on perspective or a scholarship. Obviously, they went the Skylar DeLong route a couple of years ago. Uh, that hasn't worked out all that well, as we know. Ty Pirine kind of became the guy as a walk-on from Prattville, Alabama. Now Sam Johnson uh, is set to join that mix from Oak Mountain High School over there in the Birmingham area. A highly regarded guy, too. And when you look at measurables, he's that, that sort of tall, bigger type kid uh, that you associate more with punters uh, these days. And, you know, I... I, I I kind of always use the same sort of cautionary approach with specialists, especially when it comes to kickers and punters, whether they're scholarship or walk on. We'll see. You don't really know what these guys, Tim, until you put them in that mix. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll just be honest. I've never had a good idea of what's going to make a good college punter or field goal kicker. I've seen some of these guys. I mean, I was a little bit ahead of Michael Proctor in school and, he was kicking them over the field house. So I don't know how these guys pan out, to be honest. I don't know much about them. I think it's a – I don't know if it's a crapshoot or if it's about developing them in college. I just know that Alabama doesn't seem to have a lot of luck. I mean, the kid from Hoover, uh, Reichert, he's a legit – I saw him for four years. The kid, multiple games. This kid's got a got a booming leg, oh, yeah. got a good punter. So he, to me, is the future if he can stay – you know, when he gets healthy. So that could be a – that could factor in um, – other than that, I don't know. I don't know what makes a good punter. I don't know how they do it. I don't yeah. know how teams, coaches work or anything. Riker's a rarity these days in that he's a combo guy, in that he can handle place kicking, he can handle punting. Uh, so that makes his value immense. And uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, that's that's the approach I take. You, you, know, you, you evaluate these guys as best you can. Most college football coaches don't have an extensive background when it comes to kicking and punting. So they lean on services like Coles and others to kind of help narrow it down to certain prospects. And that's probably what's happened here. And this is an in-state kid that, you know, that perhaps academically he's got a situation that's going to help him uh, financially, who knows, but uh, it's, it, it looks like a quality addition to the, to the specialist room. Hey, Tim, uh, anything else before we get out of here on this Monday edition of T Watts and TR? No, I'm good. I think we had a good show waiting for these next two days and see what the off season brings us. No doubt about it. Big Wednesday coming up. You're going to want to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. You're going to want to hang around that round table constantly because there is, uh, there's certainly news of interest coming down the pike there at BamaOnline.com. Tim Watts, Hank South on the team side. You're going to have Kirk McNair. You're going to have Charlie Potter, myself. You got some big basketball coming up here. You're going to be transitioning into some spring sports, Alabama softball, Alabama baseball cranking up on the horizon. So a merging of the winter and spring taking place and BamaOnline.com, the best place out there to keep yourself informed on Crimson Tide athletics. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Built by Bama online podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon. Let's go! 
It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.